I'm continuing our series on our need of the Holy Spirit. So this will be part three. Um, but I, I'm going to read some scriptures that we've looked at quickly. And then uh, I would have you turn to Psalm. But by the time you turn there, it's, you know, we'll go on. But Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so if we need that power of the Holy Spirit to be his witness, then we ought to be seeking that power as well. Okay? I mean, we're not going to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth if we don't have the Holy Spirit. So we need to make sure that we're pursuing the Holy Spirit, so that we have the power to be able to be His witnesses. John 3.27 was our main text last week, and it reads, John answered, John the Baptist, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. And we're talking about being able to hear from the Holy Spirit. So we need the Holy Spirit in our lives so we can hear truth and we can be led into all that God has for us. We need the Holy Spirit to give us the illumination and the revelation from heaven so that we can do and become all that God has for us. Now, before the fall of man, um, we had all that we needed when God first created man to be able to hear from him, to be able to know truth. There was a spirit and spirit connection with God. And man, and so, and everything was perfect. But after the fall, there's a severance of that uh, relationship in the spirit realm. So, our main communication with God was severed, and we died spiritually. And so, our our spirit was separated from God. And because of that, now we don't have a direct line to Him. And then we have. In the natural things that we can see that are, as we talked about last week, that are pointing us back to our creator, back to God. And we need to make sure that we're uh, heading in that direction. But that doesn't mean that it all happens like that. Because um, when we receive Jesus Christ, then we begin that process of becoming born again, our spirits made alive unto God, and us hearing God again. Spirit to spirit, not just from what we see in the natural, but we begin to uh, walk with God in a spiritual realm. And then God begins to walk us backwards, back to his original intention of creation. Okay, so sin didn't cause God to change his plan. He just has a different way of, of communicating with us. By us placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? In the finished work of Jesus Christ. But with the fall of man, truth became corrupted. Okay? Before the fall, nothing was corrupt. After the fall, our bodies are corrupt now. They're going to be in... Um, um, yeah, deterioration, they're breaking down. Um, our, our souls, everything has changed. 
Everything has been corrupted. Okay? Um, they've encountered sin and they're hostile to God. Colossians 1.21 says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. You know, when we lost our spirit connection with God and our spirit man died in the fall, then everything about man became corrupted, including truth. What they knew as truth changed because they bit into the fruit that they shouldn't. They, they ate of the tree that they shouldn't have. And we have to understand that because if we understand that truth is corrupted, it's now distorted. And in reality, truth has become a lie because it was a lie that they bit on. Okay? And so, because of that, that's the reason we need the Holy Spirit. Because now we need the Holy Spirit to speak truth to us again. To begin to lead us and direct us. And when He leads us and directs us, what's He going to do? He's going to lead us and direct us back to God's truth. Not to the corruption that has taken place now. When Jesus came and after we place our faith in Him and we have that right personal relationship that God desires, then our spirits are made alive and we begin the process of working out our salvation from the inside out. Before, and which is the way God wanted it, before the fall, but after the fall, everything is coming at us from the outside, working its way in. Now God has, when we place our faith in Him, we're reconnected with God and now God begins the process of working from the inside out. But we still have to struggle with the weight of sin in us. The weight of sin in our thoughts and in our emotions, in our wills, and as well in our bodies. Those are the areas that the enemy can attack us on and hold us down and, and keep us messed up in. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we're offered the opportunity to learn God's ways again. And we do this by the truth of God's Word, but also by the truth of the Holy Spirit and what He reveals, what He illuminates to us, how He illuminates the Word of God to us. In Psalm 119, verses 159 and 60, this is a long psalm, but Psalm 119, verse 159, it says this, Consider how I love your precepts. Give me according to your steadfast love. And then notice this in verse 16, or 160, sorry. The sum of your word is truth. The sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. So, when we place our faith in Christ, then we begin that journey of finding out what real truth is again. Of learning God's truth. In John chapter 17, Gospel of John chapter 17, and in 15, 16, or 14, 15, 16, and 17, these are the... I, to me, they're the prime messages 
of the Holy Spirit because it's towards the end of the life of Jesus and he's making declarations for us and he's telling us how things are. But we're going to come to the end of John 17, but then we're going to go back and look at starting in John 14. But in John 17, 14, it says this, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, I have given them your word. Isn't that awesome? I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. <laughs> so, if the world hates you and if they think you're crazy and they think you've lost your mind, then guess what? You're heading in the right direction. All right? You are gaining hold of God's word. And then he says in verse 16, and this is important. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And can you say amen? amen. <laughs> and then here it is in verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Do you see the need for the Holy Spirit in our lives? We need the Holy Spirit to illuminate in us the truth of God's Word so that we can become holy. Sanctified just means to be holy. It means actually to be set apart. And so God wants us to be set apart for His use. He's leaving us in the world. He's not drawing us out of the world. He's leaving us in the world. But He says this, Father, I want you to sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. Or sanctified, yeah. And so we have to understand that's the process that God has for our lives. So many times as Christians, we, we want to hide from the world. And that's not what God has called us to. He's called us to go out there and enter into the world, but do it in a sanctified manner. And if we're going to be sanctified, then that means that we have to know the truth of God's word. And allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us as well and to bring us into that truth. In the middle of all the chaos and all the darkness of the world, Jesus doesn't pray that we get taken out of the world, but that we would be changed from the inside out and then go back out into the world and change the world for good. He intends for us to expand the kingdom of God in the world, but it requires that we be sanctified first, that we be changed, that we become more and more like Christ. And in order for that to happen, we have to have the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us into the truth that God has. You know, I'm reminded, I, I wanted to bring it in, but I didn't have time, but I'll just share it anyways. In Isaiah um, we have that where Isaiah is speaking from, for God and he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. And that's an invitation for us to begin to think God's thoughts. To begin to see God's ways. And we only do that by the Holy Spirit. We can't understand God's ways. We can't understand the truth of God without the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I mean, and don't get me wrong, we need the Word, but we also need the Holy Spirit. 
Because of this, John chapter 14. If we're going to be sanctified, then we have to have the leading of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Now, the reason I'm, and we're going to see this in in quite a few verses now, but we need to understand this because truth has been corrupted. It's been distorted. It's actually truth has become a lie in the world. And so if that's the case, then we need somebody to give us truth. And here he says, Jesus is saying, I'm going to ask the Father to send you a helper, to send you another one. His name is the Spirit of Truth. Let's continue, verse 17. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. And I just want to encourage you to notice that he's the spirit of truth. He's not the spirit of confusion. He's not the spirit of lies. He's not the spirit of corruption or distortion. He's the spirit of truth. John chapter 15, verse 26. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Isn't that awesome? He's not going to make up his own story. He's not going to lie to us. He's going to bear witness what he knows and the truth that is in him. Verse 27, And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. John chapter 16, verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, amen. Isn't that awesome? When the Spirit of truth comes, what's He going to do? He will guide you into all the truth. Hallelujah. I am so thankful for this. So that even though we're living in the world, and even though the world has lost their minds, even though the world is corrupt and in chaos and in darkness, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in us, and then He wants to shed the truth of God into our hearts and into our minds, into our thoughts, into our words, into every aspect of our life. And He says in here, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you things that are to come. Man, this is so awesome. Amen. It's awesome to know that we have a way to find out what true truth is. Especially when it has been so corrupted from the world. Um, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read out of 1 John chapter 4. But we're going to go back to, or we're going to go to John chapter 10 in just a second after this. 
So if you, if you want to stay in the Gospel of John, that's fine. But 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Okay, so in other words, what John is saying is don't believe everything you hear. Test it out. Check it out. See if it's in line with what God's Word has to say. Let the Spirit of truth bring understanding and revelation and wisdom and all that He brings as He leads us and guides us. Let Him talk to you about what you hear. Verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. And when he's talking about confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God... He's talking about knowing, not just having that knowing about the fact that Jesus came in the flesh. That's easy. He's talking about what John is talking about here is having that intimate relationship of knowing that Jesus came in the flesh, that you have placed your faith in him, that you have a personal relationship with him. Okay, it's not just knowing about Jesus and knowing that he came in the, in the flesh. Verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And who is in us? The Holy Spirit. Jesus. Okay? And he's greater than he who is in the world. And again, let me just tell you, if, if you have young kids and if you have old kids, it doesn't hurt to remind them. We prayed this over our kids all the time and we told them that they were going to be great. And this was my reference for believing that they were going to be great and do great because greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. And we used to squeeze them and hug them and we'd say greatness is going to come out of you one day. And then we would let them know what that greatness was. Jesus. He's going to come out. And you need to believe that for your children. Verse 5. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. How do we know? Because of the Spirit of truth. Because of the Holy Spirit. He's going to speak in line with God's Word. He's going to speak in line with the principles and ways and purposes of God for our lives. And we need the Spirit of truth to come. Back to the Gospel of John chapter 10. This is one of my... This is one of my favorite scriptures, set of scriptures. And it's, I, I want to show you a little key here, though. John chapter 10, verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How, they're, they're speaking to Jesus. 
How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Okay, these are his deniers. These are the ones he's been around and they are hell-bent on denying that he's Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. And they're getting so frustrated with him, they're like, just tell us. If you're really him, just tell us. So here's his response, verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. <laughs> the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. In other words, he's saying, look, I've already told you. You've already seen it. You know that nobody can do these works unless God is with them, which is one of their people stated. So he's making a point here, but it, it continues. Verse 26. But you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. Amen. And I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And so let me just help you out with this. When Jesus is telling them this, he's letting them know that there needs to be a familiarity with the voice of the Holy Spirit, with the voice of Jesus. When I call my siblings, if I didn't know who I was calling, I would be able to determine who I was speaking to by their voice. Because I know what their voice sounds like. How do I know what their voice sounds like? Because I have heard it for at least 60 years. Or almost 60 years. So, I know that. I know what... My wife Diana's voice sounds like. I know what my children's voice sounds like. Because I've heard it over and over and over again. And Jesus is saying in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. How? Because they've heard it over and over and over again. They've watched him do it. Do the miraculous. And they've come to the conclusion. He's God. They recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, because they're one. But here's what's so interesting about this. This is at the end of John chapter 10. Let me read to you some of the passages in John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Here's why verse 27 is true. Okay? John 10, 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. 
when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So let me paint the picture for you of what's going on here and what Jesus is talking about. If you were a shepherd, you would have your sheep that you're, that you're responsible for. And you would lead them, so you would go to the different places where they could feed the green pastures. But what they would also do is they would train their sheep to recognize their voice only and, and respond to it only. And so every once in a while, the shepherds would gather all the sheep into a certain area, and sometimes they would have fences around it. That's why he's talking about the gate and those coming in that are not through the gate. So they would gather all of the sheep together and then together they would watch over the sheep from the enemies. Then when it was time for them to leave, each of them had their own calling card, so to speak. Their own little thing that would let their sheep know that he's talking to them. And so he would, do, he would speak. They would hear and there, those sheep would gather together. Then he would lead them out. So they became familiar with his voice by themselves first. Then when they were in the, uh, with the other sheep, he could call them out because they recognized his voice. And it says in here, it says um, in verse 3, in the middle, it says, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And then verse four, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And that's parallel to what God wants to do in our lives. And as you know, you don't have to be bright to be able to follow the voice of the Lord. Sheep are not the brightest animals on the face of the earth. Matter of fact, they're considered very dumb. And so if they can follow the voice of their shepherd, so can we. We can follow the voice of Jesus. We can follow the voice of our Heavenly Father as we listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let me read some more. Verse 5. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. And what did we read earlier? There's many voices. First John, we read that in verse 4. Test every spirit. There's a lot of voices wanting to get your attention, wanting to lead you and, and guide you. But there's only one spirit of truth. Verse 6, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Even then, so then he explains it starting in verse 7. Watch. 
So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I'd say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Because remember, he referenced that in the earlier part of this. That there's other people that are going to try and come in over the fence, over the protection. They're not coming through the gate. I want you to know, I am the door. God is so amazing. I am the door of the sheep. Verse 8. All who, come, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastures. Isn't that awesome? And my sheep know my voice and they follow me. This is what he's talking about. They've been trained. We have to train ourselves to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, and walk in Him. Become familiar with Him. My sheep know my voice. How do you get to know somebody's voice? You keep listening to it. Oh, we need to become familiar with the voice of God. We need to know what His voice sounds like and get used to hearing it and obeying it and following it. We need the truth of God's Word, but equally and as much, we need the truth of the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the Spirit of truth to be with us. In John chapter 8, John chapter 8. And by the way, I wasn't planning on doing this one like now because I wanted to go to Romans chapter 8 because he talks about the Holy Spirit, Paul does, in a different manner. But I think it's important that we see this from Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. So who's he talking to? Believers, those who are following him, okay? He does mention that they happen to be Jews, but he's talking about somebody who's following. And it's important that we see that because listen to what he says. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if, everybody say if, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, what I have heard from this is many times people will say, well, the truth will set you free. And I'm here to tell you, truth will not set you free. Truth alone will not set you free. There's a process that he spoke of, that Jesus just spoke of, and I want to talk to you about it. If we are going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, it has to come by us hearing it and obeying it and seeing God's faithfulness in our lives. That's called abiding. Because he says, if you abide in my word. You see, there's a lot of people that don't want to abide in the word of God. They just want to be able to pick out certain things that they think are truth. And it is word. 
And they think that that's going to set them free. And it doesn't set them free because they haven't learned to abide. We have to learn to abide first. He says, if you abide. So, what happens if you don't abide? Then you won't know the truth and you can't be set free. You, you may know about the truth, but you won't know the power of abiding in that truth, of knowing the voice of God and His faithfulness in our lives. We have to abide in His Word, then we will know the truth, and then that truth that we know that has become personal to us, has become experiential to us, will begin to set us free. We just want a quick fix. We just want to be able to open our Bibles up wherever it turns to. We're going to get a word of truth, and it's supposed to set us free. It doesn't work like that. You have to be abiding in it. 1 Timothy chapter 2, please. We're going to close with this. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Hey, did you all like that extra hour of sleep you got? What? Ah. Didn't work with us either. I'm, I'm heavily contemplating not going to school tomorrow. I can't imagine what it's going to be like. But I will go. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So that's what we're called to. Verse 3. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires, everybody say desires. This is the desire that God has who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Not to just know about truth. This word knowledge is talking about experiential, having a personal relationship with truth. And so God's desire is that all people be saved and experience the truth of the Holy Spirit, the truth of God's Word. Verse 5, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. If you'll stand with me, please. This is what God desires for everybody that He's created. That we come to salvation and then we go deeper into that and not just be satisfied with being saved and going to heaven, but that we come to where we experience the truth that God has for us. And so we need the Holy Spirit in our lives.
Let's make this our desire as well. This is God's desire, that we be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. What if it was our desire? That we be saved, and if you're saved, great. If you're not, then get saved. That's the best thing you could do for your life, is to get saved, and then come into the knowledge of God's truth. To be able to come out of the chaos and the darkness and into His light, and to be changed, to be sanctified, and then to go back out into the world that God called us from and set us free from, and go change them. Hallelujah. What an awesome God. But we need the spirit of truth to be able to do that. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. And Father, I thank you for the truth of your word, but I also thank you for the spirit of truth who has come. You offer us the ability to know truth. And Father, I pray that as the spirit of truth leads us and guides us into all truth, that we would embrace that as our truth, that we would welcome and receive it as our truth so that we could be sanctified, that we would be set apart, that we would be changed. And then, Father, we can go back out into the world and give them what you've given to us. Father, I pray that it's your desire that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And Father, may that be our heart's desire as well. That we just not be satisfied with being saved, but we come into that personal, intimate relationship with truth and you. And be set apart in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.